Well, it's a tale practically as old as time itself, but anytime a parent goes into their kitchen to make, to make a, a baked good of some kind, uh, the house will smell better and the kids will come running. Now, you've had this moment before, I'm sure, where you go, you know, these cookies are not for now, they're for later. And that's just like, you know, the worst thing you can say at the time. And so, you know, you've had that moment to where then you go about your business, you, and you come back and there's a cookie missing. And you know, you didn't eat it, there's only a few culprits that it could be. I love that moment that you go to one of your children, and it's painfully obvious what has happened here. And you go, did you eat the cookie? And they're like, me? Of course not me. And you have to ask a second time, what have you been eating? What have you been eating? I think today, if you'll turn over to the Gospel of John, Jesus will essentially ask you the same question. What have you been eating? I want to welcome you again this morning. My name is Cale, uh, the preaching minister here, and we're so glad that you are here to worship with us today. If you're a guest with us, if this is your first time, this is a great Sunday to be here because we're starting a new series on the Gospel of John today, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, we're going to start today, and it's going to take us through Easter, and I would love if you would join me in praying over that Easter Sunday. And a couple of things. One, we know that that is an, an important holiday in our culture. We know that people will stop and they will uh, attend church services that day. So I'd like you to be praying over that. Also, we know that people are open to an invitation on days like Easter. So I want you to start to prayerfully ask God, who is the person that you have put in my life that I should be inviting to church? Who's the person that I keep running across, the coworker, the neighbor, the friend that you that you can say, join me on Easter Sunday. Now, this service, uh, I love both of our services, and this one, one of the things I love about it is that we're almost always out of room. So for some of you, I would love it if you would serve on Easter Sunday. And if you would serve by considering first service that day. And you would do, do our church a service by coming early. And you get to lunch faster that way. So there's something in it for you. Now, the Gospel of John, if you're over there, we're going to be in John chapter 6 today. But the Gospel of John, my guess is that it's at least a quarter of your favorite Gospels. There are, thank you, there are four Gospels. <laughs> Only one person got it in first service. <laughs> gospel of John is different than our other Gospels. Now, in it, uh, there is no genealogy, there's no birth narrative uh, Jesus will use less parables in the Gospel of John. There are less uh, miracle stories, though there are some, and we'll talk about a couple of those today. But it's just, it's different. There are more what we call uh, discourses. Jesus talks more in, in the context of teaching and also just talking about himself. Now, there is one phrase that's very important in the Gospel of John that we're going to be talking about today, and it's the phrase, I am. In the Greek, it's ego eimi. Now, not to, I'm not going to make you repeat that. We're not going to get too in the depths with that. But if you were to be reading the Gospel of John in Greek, you would see that phrase all over the place. There are seven I am statements. We're going to be doing, talking about those over the next few weeks. But if you were to go through the, the Gospel of John, you would see even more. And this is an important phrase for one reason in particular. And, of course, that starts all the way back in the book of Exodus. 
In the book of Exodus, Moses has left Egypt, where he's now living in Midian, and he is a shepherd for his father-in-law's flocks. He's a shepherd. And that's important because God says, I want to call you back to Egypt to shepherd my flock. I want to call you back, and I want you to lead, to shepherd the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses doesn't want to do it, but he says, okay, when I go back, who do I say sent me? He says it like this in Exodus chapter 3. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? What should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is one of those significant moments in uh, the history of the Jewish people. In particular, this is a significant moment because it is the time that they know God's name. They go all through Genesis. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they don't know his name until this moment. I am who I am. It is that phrase that Jesus will pick up on in the Gospel of John, and he will reveal something about himself to us. That he will use this phrase to tell us who he is. Now, many of you in here today consider yourself followers of Jesus. So this is an important thing for us to know. Who does Jesus say that he is? When he tells us about himself, how does he describe himself? So if you were to read the Gospel of John, you would see not only these seven I am statements, but you would see even more. For instance, in John chapter 4, he meets the Samaritan woman at the well. And she says, well, we know someday the Messiah is going to return. And Jesus says, I am he. It's that phrase, I am. In John chapter 6, right before where we, we will read today, the disciples are scared because they see somebody walking on the water. And they're scared. And he says, it is I, ego me. I am. Don't be afraid. It's the same phrase. John chapter 18, when they come to arrest Jesus, Jesus says, I'm the one you're looking for. I am. John chapter 8, there is this very long discourse where the teachers of the law are asking Jesus, where do you get your authority? And he says, before Abraham was, I am. It's an important phrase. And it's exactly this phrase, as he reveals himself, as Jesus makes claims about himself, that will lead him to the cross. And so we'll talk a little bit about that today as well. So let's start in John chapter 6, starting in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now, right before this, Jesus, of course, he walks on water, and that's, that's where we got, we already mentioned that. But right before that, he was across the Sea of Galilee, and he was feeding the 5,000. Now, if you've heard that story before, let's not just rush past that real quick. Because imagine, now this, we, we, we probably seat about 400 people in here. 5,000 is a lot more than this. And they are there to hear Jesus teach, but it's lunchtime. 
And so they're about to go. And you know what? I can resonate with Jesus because when you have a crowd as a preacher, as a teacher, you don't want to just send them off to lunch. You want them to stay there. They go to lunch. They may not come back. Well, we'll test this. Come back here at 1.30 today, and we'll see who shows up. I won't be here. But, and so Jesus says, well, let's feed these people. You got, y'all feed them, and they, and they can't do it. But they said, well, here are five loaves and two fish. And don't just zoom past that, because Jesus multiplies this, and he does something amazing. And I will say, think about the crowd that he feeds. This is, a, this is an important moment, because many of them might have been hungry. And Jesus sees their need, and he meets it. Now, you have this story, and they find him on the other side of the lake, and they say, when did you get here? In fact, I had this moment right before service started. I saw somebody out there and say, when did you get here? And they said, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me. Not, they didn't say that, but (laughs) it is kind of an interesting question because what we have here in our passage is they say, well, when did you get here? But he knows their heart and he knows what they're asking. He says, I tell you, you're not looking for me because you know who I am. You're looking for me because of what you think I can do for you. You're looking for me not because I am the one sent from God. You're looking for me because you're hungry. Because you're looking for lunch. You're looking for the free handout. See, they want what Jesus provides. They're not really looking for Jesus. And my fear is, is that if I were to be honest with myself as I read this, that I've been right there a lot of times. And my guess is that you have been too. That you really just want what Jesus will give you. You're not really looking for Jesus. And Jesus wants to stop them right there and say, you know, I saw your need and I will continue to meet your needs, but you need to look for something better. You need to look for something more. Because what he's saying is, he's saying he's more than this. Yes, he will feed you. Yes, he will meet that need, but he's so much more than that. So this continues in verse 30. So they ask him, well, what sign will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? See, our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it's my father who gave you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus is still having some, he, the crowd and he are still talking past each other. They're still talking about different things. They're still looking for lunch. And again, I, I don't want to just to belittle that. Not having enough food to eat is a real need. Jesus is not belittling that either. He, he knows that's a need, but he's saying, there is more that I'm here to offer. There's more that I want to give you. And I love this phrase, sir, always give us this bread. Always give us this bread. A couple of years after Savannah and I were married, it was over Christmas time, and we were at her parents' house, and we decided to all go out to eat, and it was the first time I experienced a Brazilian steakhouse. Now, if you've been there before, I, I was a little bit confused, because you just sit down, there's really no menu, but they'd say, there's this little thing on the end of the table. One side is red, one side is green. As long as the green side's up, they're just going to keep bringing you food. I thought, well, this is incredible. <laughs> this is the best. And so they just kept bringing food. And I want to tell you what, they lost money that night. (laughs) 
I said, you're going to see something special. I was in my mid-20s at the height of my eating abilities. (laughs) And I paid for it for days later. But I think that's a little bit what these people, they're going to Jesus and they're just seeing him as a vending machine. They say, sir, give us this bread always. Let's just follow you around. Not because of who you say you are, not because of your teaching or who you're calling us to be, but because we're looking for a free meal. Just keep giving us this bread. Keep giving us this food that, yes, they need, but I want that. I mean, this is like the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Because she goes there. She is going in the middle of the day, and, and he says, you know, I have living water. I have everlasting water. And she says, well, give me that. Not because I'm looking for eternal life. Not because I'm looking for the Messiah. She just doesn't want to go back to the well. They're not looking for Jesus because of who he says he is. They're looking for Jesus because... They're hungry, and they want to eat. Jesus is trying to take them to a different place. He's, trying to ask, he's asking them to, to look for more from him. They're turning to him, and I do love this phrase, this thing they ask, give us this bread, always give us this bread. And it does remind me of how Jesus teaches us to pray. He teaches us to pray and to say, give us our daily bread. Ask for it. Now, they don't know what they're asking for, but I think Jesus is saying, you're on the right track. You're going down the right path. Always give us this bread. And it, and it leads us to, for us to ask our own question of what kind of bread are we seeking? What kind of bread are we asking for? When we're hungry, not physically, but maybe spiritually, who are we turning to? Where do we seek to be filled Jesus is calling us to a higher, to a better option. So finally, he'll get to the point. In verse 35, he'll tell them what he's been looking for, what they've been looking for, and he says, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still don't believe All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I won't drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those who he has given me. And I will raise them on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. This is a strong statement that Jesus makes. And and for two reasons. The first is this. It starts and it says, I am. I am the bread of life. Now, when you and I hear it, we probably jump to the end. And what is he actually trying to describe? But for those hearing it the first time, try and hear it how they would hear it. He says, I am the bread of life. This is Jesus. I, I mean, some of them have known him a long time. They might look at someone else and say, well, isn't this Jesus, the carpenter's son? He he grew up in Nazareth. We know where he lives. He's just a man. He's just a man that you've known for a long time. But now he's making a claim. He's he's looking for, for, he's asking you to believe something more about him. See, you and I today, we might talk about the Trinity. We talk about Jesus being a man and God, and we're really... We may not understand it, but we're comfortable with it. Jesus is God. This is what he says, and that's okay. I don't always understand it, but I am comfortable with that fact. They wouldn't have been. 
they would have said, this is blasphemy. You cannot claim something like this. And again, you and I, we know the end of the story, but they don't know the end of the story. This is a a big statement. I am? That's who you think you are, Jesus? Not only that, then he'll say this, he is the bread of life. And he's not claiming that he can just feed you, that he's already proven that. He know, they know he can feed them. One meal, multiple meals. He fed 5,000 people and there were leftovers. They know he can do that, but here he is claiming something more. That if you believe in him, he's the bread that will give you eternal life. He is the vehicle that will give you life everlasting with the Father. He is the one that God has sent down. He's the bread of life, not just the bread at lunch or the bread at dinner. He is the bread of life. All others will leave you wanting more. But Jesus says, if you come to me, you will never be hungry again. If you come to me, you will never thirst again. His claim is a little bit bigger. Now, here's the deal. Bread is one of the most mundane, ordinary common food groups that we have. In fact, I went to, this is becoming a theme and I apologize, but I went to ChatGPT and asked it a few questions about bread. You can do this today. You can fact check me if you want. But I said, who is credited with inventing bread? And I, and I pretty much stumped the robot. It said, nobody really, it's been around, it's every culture has bread, uh, but we do know that Thousands of years ago, the Egyptians, to our knowledge, first started using yeast, which we can read about some of that in Exodus. They started using yeast. I said, okay, so bread has been around for a long time. Every culture, for the most part, has some version of bread. And I said, well, Jen, then estimate for me how much bread is eaten every day. And I'll tell you, ChatGPT didn't like that question. (laughs) It said, you know, that's pretty much impossible to answer, but, and it did a little bit of math for me. It said, on average, this much wheat is produced every year, which if you were to divide it into loaves of bread, it would come out to about 3 billion loaves eaten every single day. 3 billion loaves every day, which sounds like a lot to me, honestly. And what I love about this is that, as you know, bread is common. In fact, you might have had a bread item for breakfast, you might have bread as part of your lunch, and you might have bread for dinner. And if you stay up late enough, maybe you'll have cereal or another version of bread as a snack tonight. I don't know. Bread is common. It's mundane. It's ordinary. It's the thing that's just thrown into your meal. It's just like a filler. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I kind of wonder why he didn't say, I am the steak that you so long for. I am the Texas barbecue. I am the Tex-Mex that you eat multiple times every week. He doesn't say that. He says, I am the bread of life. I am bread. It's the most common, ordinary, mundane thing. It's the thing that you have at your fingertips almost all the time. And I think one of the things, if we step back and we think about this passage for a minute, one of the things that's challenging is that is who we are in our day and age. Now, I've already referenced it today, but almost everything in our world you can figure out. There are no questions anymore. And meanwhile, if you look at our culture over the last few years, the, there's been a rise in spirituality. Now, we talk about spiritual things at church, and now Christianity is spiritual, but it's not only spiritual. What, what, what I mean by that is that when you talk about spiritual things, it's these, these things that are 
a mystery, that are veiled, that you, you don't know how this happened or that happened. We use language like that in church. But for many of us in the global West in 2024, people are longing to be lifted out of the muck and the mire of the everyday. Because see, we've learned so much. We're modern scientific people. Everything that we know has been figured out. We've demystified, explained everything. And so because of that, we long to look behind the veil. We long to see something that isn't quite seen. We want there to be a little bit more. And yet Jesus here says, He'll talk about heaven, yes, but he'll also say, I'm like that everyday, ordinary, mundane bread. See, Jesus says, it's, yes, I am otherworldly, but I have also been made flesh in front of you. I'm that which is right here. And sometimes thinking about the incarnation like this can be a little bit uncomfortable. It can be a little bit difficult because a lot of times what we want from our God is for him to be beyond us. We want him to have the power, to have the booming voice from the skies, not to be the ordinary man right in front of us. And yet that's what Jesus is saying. I'm right here in front of you. This is all you need. What I love about the Gospel of John is how it shows who our Jesus is. If you've ever wondered what Jesus looks like, what Jesus talks like, what Jesus thinks, who our God is, it's going to show you through the Gospel of John. See, every time you see Jesus... You get a vision of God. Because he said, I have been sent from heaven to do the will of my Father. It can be difficult that he's right, standing right in front of you. The one who says, come and take and eat of me. And so might it be true that Jesus is the bread that we need, even though he's rarely the bread that we seek. So I think what can be very difficult when we think about a passage like this is we can go, Yes, I I know that you're the bread of life, but I also need some extras. I need some things just in case. I need some things just in case this doesn't work out. What if if I am still hungry? So I'm going to not only eat from you, Jesus, but I'm going to take a little bit more. So many of us are in a different place where we continue to try to feed our hunger with these cheap facsimiles of who Jesus is. These things that our culture or that we think will sustain us and they just keep you wanting more. That it doesn't actually fill the needs you are and yet Jesus is standing in front of you and said, those who take part in me will never hunger again. Those who take part in me will never thirst again. This is who he is. And so the call today is to step back and to ask yourself, to prayerfully consider, where have you been turning when you're hungry? Where is it that you think will sustain you? Because Jesus, in his very ordinary, common way, is saying, I'm right here. I am the bread of life. I am right at your fingertips. I am always with you. I'm never far from you. Jesus is saying, you go to him when you're hungry. A lot of times we're asking all kinds of the wrong questions. We're, we're seeking something here when Jesus has something so much more to offer. And it reminded me of a story I heard about a, about a family who was going through something like financial peace at their church. And they had a couple of young kids and had gotten in a little bit of financial trouble. But they're, they're back on the right path. They're trying to do the right things uh, to give their kids the life that they so desire to. And, 
You know, as they're trying to get out of debt, they'd cut way back and they said, you know, we'd really love it if, if at, they asked their church, if anybody has an old trampoline, we'd love to just have it to offer our kids. We can't afford to give it to our kids, but we'd love to have an old trampoline. They're asking for something and they weren't asking for the right things. So a couple days later, a couple, another couple shows up at their doorstep and they didn't have an old trampoline for them, but they had a new one in a box. They said, this is our gift to your kids, but we also have a gift for you. And the gift for them was that their debt had been paid in full. They said, see, you were asking for an old trampoline to provide a little bit of entertainment when you should have been asking for something else. I think a lot of times we're in the same place. We're coming to Jesus and we're saying, Jesus, I just, I just need lunch. And he's saying, you need lunch, but you need so much more. So Jesus comes and he wants to offer to you not only lunch, but he also wants to offer to you a gift of eternal life. He says, you're seeking one kind of bread, but I'm the bread of life. He finishes this section. Wayne read it earlier, but it reads like this. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and will not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So you and I, church, always live with an eye towards Easter, with a remembrance that our Jesus did give his life for the world. He gave it so that you and I may have life, life everlasting. So if today, if you've never accepted that free gift, that grace that he has to offer you, we'd love to help you say yes to Jesus today. And maybe today you walked in and as we close, our shepherds and their wives will be around the room. Maybe today you realize that I've been trying to, to fill myself to meet that hunger in all the wrong places. With these things that are cheap and they're fake, they look like Jesus, but they don't provide what I actually need. If we can help you turn your eyes back to Jesus, if we can help you say yes to Jesus today, won't you come while we stand and sing?